Welcome to FileMaker Off the Record. You're listening to Thomas and Teresa of Profile Developers, discussing all things FileMaker for developers and power users. Hey, Teresa. Hi, Thomas. How are you this evening? I am doing fine. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Welcome to episode 13. Lucky 13. Yep. So last episode, we talked about... It was the uh, Can FileMaker Google autofill game. Right. And part of one of the questions had to do with sending SMS. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the last one, Can FileMaker Send SMS Messages. Right. Mm -hmm. And we said that it could. Right. Using a plugin. Using a plugin, which it can. Right. However. However. <laughs> as one of our wonderful listeners pointed out, you, you can do it without a plugin as well. Mm -hmm. You can send a text message. Isn't it by... Uh, by sending an email. Yeah. Sending an email and uh, it's to the number at the carrier. Yeah. It's, right? It's along the lines of... Sending an email to the number at Verizon.com or T-Mobile.com or something like right. that. Right. There's a list of carriers and instructions online, which we're going to put in the show notes. I don't want to okay. detail it out here. Sure. It's good to know that you can do that without a plug-in. Mm -hmm. I think I knew that. You, you know, I think we both knew that. <laughs> I think we did. Because I am... 85% sure that I implemented that. <laughs> That's very specific. Yeah. When I was an in-house developer, I had a robot set up as a print server for a, a specific function of the solution we had. And if that robot went down, the server checked every five minutes, I think, to see if the robot had set a timestamp indicating that it was still live and if the robot went down, it wouldn't update the timestamp. So the server could then say, hey, the robot's down. And it would send me an email every five minutes uh, until I brought that robot back up. So I had that set up. And I am pretty sure that I had also set up, tested with text messaging. But it was such a pain to, you know, if I was driving around and couldn't get to my machine i was you know if it was midnight and i'd wake up in the morning and there were a thousand text messages <laughs> from the server telling me because it was every five minutes saying hey robots down robots down and you know i had to just sit there and throw them you know or ignore them for hours until i could get to work or remote into the machine onto the network and get onto that robot and get it back up and running yeah I think that that's what I did. I know I tested it at one point. It wasn't wasn't good for that situation because I check my email every six and a half minutes anyway. So I wasn't, I didn't need the text messaging. <laughs> so you do this stuff for a long time. Yes. And then you forget what you did. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes, at least I do, and apparently you do. But you know who didn't forget? Jerry didn't forget. Yes, good for Jerry. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Thanks, Jerry, for sending us an email about this. Very much mm -hmm. appreciate it. Yes. And I hope we're entertaining you on your drive to work. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> so what are we talking about tonight, Thomas? So tonight we're going to talk about transactions. 
like shopping for Christmas or the holidays, that those kinds of transactions. No, like you know, like database transactions. Oh, those things. Okay. There are some rules to transactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, some standard database things. You said there's a term, acid, acid right, and an acronym, right, which is an acronym for atomic, consistent, isolated, and durable. Okay, and that's across data usage. Right. Yeah. That's not a filemaker term. Right. It's just a database term in general. I right. mean, it is a filemaker, but it's a it's a general database term. Right. When we're talking about transactions, we are talking about a method for editing data in a record and preserving it in the case that somebody changes their mind. Right. Because in like when we're talking about FileMaker, there is no save button or save command like there is in every other application everywhere. And this is one of the things where it's a little difficult to explain to users who aren't used to FileMaker because they'll say, well, how do I save it? How do I know it's saved? How do I undo that? And so we have to think about data in transactional, in a transactional way, yeah. in order to help users uh, to, ha- to have a good interface for them to understand how they're interacting with the data. For years, one of the most common questions I got when I was developing was, where's the save button? Right. I used to get that a lot. I don't get that so much anymore, but I used to get that a lot. Yeah. So FileMaker does support transactions, mm-hmm. basically through relationships. So if you're editing a record and any number of relationships that get edited as well, as long as the parent record stays open, mm-hmm. none of that stuff is committed. Right. So you could, if you have a portal with creation through the relationship enabled, right. yes. you can sit there and create, you know, 10, 100, 1,000 related records. But until the parent record is committed, those essentially exist in memory only. Right. And only on the commit. Once it's committed, it's everything that has been modified. If you've created a bunch of records or if you've modified existing records through portals... They all get saved. That's that's what atomic is. Mm-hmm. That it's an all or nothing. Okay. If some of the portal records would be saved as you're going and others were not, that's not atomic. Okay. So in, in another structure. Right. Okay. So, but the way that FileMaker works, as long as you have allow record creation on through the portal, then everything can be rolled back. Right, automatically. Automatically. Right. So that and that's an invisible way to do that. But if you are sitting on a record and you so you say you're sitting on the parent and you edit a few of those fields and you haven't touched any portals yet, and you click outside of a field and you commit back up a little bit. So that's talking about related information, but with the parent record itself, if you have uh, in the layout properties the checkbox so if save records automatically is checked Mm -hmm. then once you click out the records will be saved automatically if that is unchecked then you will get a dialogue asking you if you want to save the records right so so filemaker save the changes filemaker has a a built-in 
transactional interface, but it's not enabled by default for an individual record. It's enabled by default for related records. So what a lot of developers who need transactional editing might do is use global fields in order to give the appearance of pure transactional editing without having to worry about the dialogues coming up and asking a user if they want to save changes, uh, to give them the access to a save button and a cancel button so that they can open up a new card window and it's loaded up with the details of a record and they can make a bunch of changes and they can hit cancel and everything just goes away as if they never made any edits uh, because they haven't, right? That's something we do, especially with the, with the new card windows. That's very a nifty technique. Yeah, so it has a little bit of overhead because you have to create a bunch of global fields or mm -hmm. repeating globals, you know. Mm -hmm. You just need a place to store the data temporarily. Right, and to, and to load them up. So in our, in our globals table, we often have a uh, dialogue. So we have a globals dialogue that we use in most of the custom dialogues. We'll rely on those. But we also have a what we call var underscore text. And we'll have as many uh, repetitions of that as we feel is necessary. Uh, we also have a var underscore num, which is a number field. And that's just to make sure this is all for uh, data validation, you know, for data entry. And formatting. And formatting so that you we can accurately display them in the card. Yeah, for testing interfaces, mm -hmm. I have a couple relatives who are very good at that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And they often th think of things if the field says, you know, enter a date for when is your next appointment? Mm -hmm. And they want to put tomorrow. And they'll put tomorrow or next week. They'll actually type that in. Yeah. If, if, you know, given the, just to see what happens. Right. Which is what users will sometimes do. So oh, it's, yeah. it's nice to have beta testers that That's what, that it's, think that that way. Well, yeah. And, and yeah, you should never test your, you should never be the only person to test your own interfaces. Because you know because, what it's expecting. Exactly. I, you know, I know what button to not click on because I'm not done with it yet. Right. And then, you know, if you have a coworker or a client who calls you and says, yeah, I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> and, well, and you also know how, how good people are at telling you where they were and what they did when such and such happened. People are not very good at giving you those nitty gritty details. <laughs> they don't know what screen they were on or what button they hit. And they didn't read the dialogue that came up to tell them what to do. And they think they hit okay, but they weren't sure. They hit the button on the right. Yeah, that's... It might have said cancel. So that makes it a little difficult. So we should get back on topic. There's a couple other ways to do transactions. Mm -hmm. There is at modularfilemaker.org. Todd Geist has a file hmm. that is for transactions and it takes advantage of the fact that FileMaker automatically creates transactions through portals okay. through related records. So and it's all it's explained in the module. Mm -hmm. Also the Scarpetta group has a file JSON transactional edits. Okay. And 
what theirs does is whenever you go to edit a record, all of the existing relevant data in the fields is stored as JSON Okay. in a variable. Then you go into the record and mm -hmm. you can change the record. And if you hit a cancel button, mm -hmm. you can use a script to go and reset all of the fields to what they were originally. Okay. So so they're setting up as a and allowing you to edit the record. So they're grabbing the current values of everything. They grab all the current values. And they hold them and hold so, them in a variable in JSON and I believe store them in a field in that record as well. Okay. I I think this again this is all this is all available online and we'll have it linked in the show notes. So you can edit the record all you want. And mm -hmm. when you hit save, it saves it and commits it in solid. But if you hit cancel, that'll trigger a script that will go we'll pull and all the original values out of the JSON. Pull, pull all the original values out of the JSON. Okay. And that's, you know, no matter what kind of data it is, if it's a container field, mm -hmm. all, everything is stored. And they have a custom function to build all that JSON automatically. So a custom function with no parameters triggers mm -hmm. all the data stored. It's very easy. Yeah. It's very easy to implement. That sounds cool. That's that's kind of the opposite of what we do. Yeah. But they don't use... So they have no need for global fields. Right. In that situation. Right. And that they also are locking the record that's being edited, mm -hmm. which has right. its advantages. Yes, there are definite advantages to that because of the record. If when we were doing it, we left the record closed and did not open it, then somebody else could potentially edit that record under their nose. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's, you know, there's, there's strengths and weaknesses to each. If you are storing all the data in the, in the globals and something happens to the connection and there's never been a commit mm -hmm. uh, and the script never runs to save all the data, then nothing ever gets saved if something goes terribly wrong. Right. With the JSON option, if the record gets committed and something happens, and there's no way for the user to actually hit the cancel. Right. The then there's interrupted in some way. Well, then the data is saved no and the change is done. But if that JSON is also stored in a field, then there's a way to do it. Right. But the data is saved automatically. Whereas with the globals, the data has to be saved on purpose. Right. There's strengths and weaknesses to, to mm -hmm. each. Any developer that is looking for the best way go look at all the options right yeah yeah i mean it's some of it's going to be personal preference i'm sure there's a comfort level and like you said i mean we focus on loading up the globals mostly because of that connection concern right we, we don't want the original data to be lost accidentally one of the things that i worked on recently was a it's a system where so to, to go back a little bit so when so we have our globals table and our set of global fields with their repetitions and that's all fine and dandy and when we're loading that into a detail to display recently i was working on a project where i wanted to not only display information from the parent record but also related records so i wanted to pull up invoice details and then also pull up its related line items in a portal and then 
payments, potential payments in a portal, and then have the, the give the user the ability to add new line items, add new payments, edit the content of the line items, and cancel without having any impact on the original data. And in order to have these portals with the with this variety of information, what I ended up doing was uh, did a combination of um, the global fields for the main invoice record and then used a virtual list to display the others. And so I would put the I, I put the related invoice line items and the payments into the virtual list. And then the portals had a for, uh, filter on them to only display one or the other. Uh, there were buttons in the portal rows that would edit the content via dialogues. So you would click on the, for the invoice line, the related invoice line item, you would click on the top line, which was the description and the unit cost and the total, uh, the quantity. And those three dialogues would show, it would preload a dialogue, a uh, custom dialogue with those values. You could edit them and save, and it would rewrite the virtual list data. Uh, same with the payments. If you were adding a payment in or adding another line item, it was just appending it to the virtual list. When you save, it'll go create the, you know, loop through the virtual list and update existing line items uh, create new payments. It was doing all of that. I found that to be a uh, efficient way. It's a little complicated, and it's it's a lot of scripting and buttons for the interface. But allows me to, you know, create a completely transactional. They could sit there and edit things all day long, and then when they hit cancel, there's just nothing. They haven't touched uh, or they haven't changed anything in the original record or any of the related items. And that works well. Solves works the way the client needs it to work. Yes. That's what's most important. Right. Does what the client needs. Yes. And I won't tell them how it works because they they don't want to know. No client wants to hear about virtual lists. <laughs> I think I think they glaze over very quickly. Yeah, I think that's true. So are there other methods? for transactional edits? The Calibri model. Okay. Which I will put in the show notes. That has its own process for transactional edits mm -hmm. that's a little bit involved. Okay. Is it less involved than what I was doing? It's different. <laughs> and it's more like an audit log. Okay. So in uh, FileMaker 13, they added the function for get modified fields, which is the, a, some, a tool that you could use to uh, kind of aid in a, in a roll-your-own uh, transactional editing situation. Yeah, that helped a lot. That helped simplify the way that I was doing audit logs. Mm -hmm. Instead of looking for what fields were modified mm -hmm. and filtering through, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's, a, that's a much easier way to get the modified fields as a function called get modified fields. Right. Uh, another thing that we try to do is uh, there was a solution that you were working on a couple of years ago where the client very specifically told you that 
anytime anyone is creating a new entity, a new record in a, in a, in any of the tables, they did not want it to exist until they hit save. So, um, and in this particular solution, it was properties. It was the main, main table. But if they were adding a new property, he did not want that to exist at all until that person was done saving because, you know, that's a consideration. If, um, if you've got records in a table that require a certain amount of information, but you allow users to just create new record and, and just kind of fill out the fields as they go, if you do use globals at the start of that process, they can't save the property unless it has the number, you know, assigned from the county or until it has a full address entered in. It's a way to guarantee that your data meets certain requirements before you allow it to become a record, which in some cases can be very important. And it also then saves you from, let's say that you, your users are doing reports on data they are doing searches. If you have these requirements for fields and values in place, by controlling the creation of the records, you can save yourself from having to do a lot of scripting to find the right set of lists. And why wouldn't you use field validation? Because of the dialogues. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because of the lack of control of the user experience. Right. Whenever you put restrictions on fields, like must not be empty, mm -hmm. if the user creates in a different environment, in a different screen, in a different layout. Oh, yeah. Those those dialogues can be so annoying and, and confusing. You could get an error message generated from FileMaker saying that such and such field requires a unique requires value, a, requires a value, right, and is not available on the layout that you're currently on. Right. And so you get stuck. No, you're stuck. Right. And you can't move forward. You can't get people end up force quitting out of FileMaker if they're in some goofy loop, especially if it's something uh, with an ID field. So yes, that, that using validation rules on fields is not always a good option for those reasons. Yeah. I know some people love them because it's it's right it's there. quick and it's easy and but it depends on what you're doing and, and who your users are. Yeah. If you you know if your users are used to FileMaker or that's just the way we there's so many solutions out there where it's, well that's just the way it works and it's always worked like this and we all know what that means and we're fine with it. That's great. If you're creating a solution for a new audience or trying to control and have an, uh, an elegant interface that the only way to do it is to completely script it to be absolutely clean. So some things that we might talk about in the future. Okay. I wanted to talk about some of the tools that we use. That we use? <laughs> that you use and I, and you tell me that I should use? <laughs> Talking about... Design functions. Okay, everybody's favorite. Yeah. Talk about get functions, 
that mm-hmm. are not the get functions. Okay, yeah. <laughs> There's a bunch of functions that start with the word get. Yes, that, that, aren't, that you can never find. That are not the or same. Or at least that you never used to be able to find when you didn't have the type ahead in the yeah. calculation engine. Yeah. So, and a few other ideas. Mm-hmm. So... If there's, exciting. if there's anything anyone wants to hear, sure, make a suggestion. Send us an email. Yes. At off the record at profiledevelopers.com. And you can find all the podcast episodes and show notes are listed in the blog at profiledevelopers.com. So thank you everyone for listening. And we will talk at you again in a couple weeks. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Thanks.